everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the No Easy Way Out podcast. My name is Tony, and we are coming to you, as always, from the armory in beautiful downtown Owasso, Michigan, home to my company, AZ Business Solutions, where we help grow your brand from A to Z. I'm excited about today's guest. Today's guest is a young lady that I've just met recently, but we here at AZ have been highly, highly impressed by her. And we're going to talk about why here in just a minute, but our guest name is Sarah Watson. Sarah, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. Now, Sarah, in my phone, for some reason, you're Sarah J. Watson, and on Facebook, you're Sarah Jean Watson. Do you prefer Sarah or Sarah Jean or Sarah J. or just Sarah? Honestly, anybody I've met within the last five years generally thinks my name is Sarah Jean. Yeah. Um, But that goes back to when I was teaching. I see. I didn't use my last name, and then it just kind of stuck, and it's easier for people to find me with such a plain name. I see. Okay. Well, Mm -hmm. I, I guess so either or then, right? No preference. You, you can call me whatever you'd like as long as you <clears throat> pay the bill. Now, Sarah is a rock star sales executive uh, in the advertising marketing space. Um, and I've come across a lot of salesmen in my career. I was in the hospitality business for 10 years. And uh, when I say that I had a salesman stop by and see me almost daily, that is no exaggeration. And it always seems like salesmen had, or salespeople, sorry, uh, sales salespeople had a knack for coming at the worst time, like when you are so busy that you don't have time to stop and talk. And so over the course of 10 years, I just got really, really, like, I was just over salespeople. Like, I'm like, give me a call in advance, send me an email, drop off a pamphlet, but don't try to stop and hit me in the middle of my day. Now, since I've been here at AZ for six years, celebrating six years, whoop, whoop, whoop. Um, I haven't had as many salespeople stop by because we're more offering services. We're not the type of company that are buying a lot of mm-hmm. products or whatever. Uh, but when Sarah and her partner, Jake stopped mm-hmm. by, uh, we stopped to take notice. Um, and there was a couple of things that stood out to us, not just me, to, but to my staff, to Zach and a few of the others mentioned it. Um, but your approach was totally different. Number one, I didn't know you were selling me something at the beginning. You just kind of were coming in, being friendly. I thought you were looking for something in the armory. Turned out you were. You were looking mm-hmm. for us. Uh, but you already knew some stuff about us. You kind of knew what we did, which I think is important. But you knew some of our clients. So you kind of name dropped a little bit, which, you know, was good. Um, but then you were like super personable. You were talkative. You were joking about things. Obviously, you had the great eye contact and the blah, 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 all the stuff you're supposed <laughs> to do. But where you really got us, now that first meeting was good because you really didn't try to sell us anything. Mm -hmm. Actually, you didn't try to sell us anything at all. You just were like telling us what you do Mm -hmm. and would love to have some opportunity uh, to sit down and get to know more about our company. But then like a couple of days later, you stopped in while we were getting ready to have a meeting and you had some follow-up bagels. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah. But there was a little note that said, happy national... Uh, future prospective client day or something like that. And I'm like, is it really that day? Because we usually celebrate days Mm -hmm. like that around here. And it wasn't. You made it up. Absolutely. Nice job. Nice job. And you had bagels. But here's was the icing on the cake. She had seen a video that I was kind of on this fitness journey, which clearly, as you can tell, I did not stay on. But she had in there some fruit just for me so that I didn't fall off the wagon with the bagels. Uh, side note, I did not eat the fruit. I did eat the bagels, though. They were fantastic. But thank you for thinking of me. Absolutely. And then there was a handwritten card. Uh, and since then, the communication has been great. We've actually partnered, and we're, we've done several, well, not several. We've done a few projects together already, mm-hmm. but we have several on the horizon. Uh, and then even this week, I got a happy St. Patty's Day card. 
And she's already signed us. We're already partners, but she gave us a St. Patty's Day card, which I didn't even know was a thing. Like, I don't know if you listening have ever got a St. Patty's Day card. You know, I get Christmas cards and birthday cards, Valentine's Day cards. Dollar Tree. But Hallmark at the Dollar Tree. It makes people happy, and it's so cheap. Yeah, St. Patty's Day card. I didn't even know it was a thing. So I'm hoping that doesn't mean I have to buy St. Patty's Day cards for everyone listening in the future, but I just thought it was a nice touch. And she did her homework. At the first meeting we had... She came with, like, stuff. I mean, you had stuff. You had pamphlets, like spiral-bound pamphlets with, like, uh, cover sheets and graphics. It was basically like a really advanced PowerPoint all printed out uh, specific to some of our clients and just had done your homework. So just good job. I was very impressed. So, Sarah, that's why you're here today. Plus, I think, you know, we at the office love it when you stop by. We love working with you. We just worked uh, last week with 1111 Burgers and Fries. They have a new TV commercial dropping soon. Make sure you check it out. Um, But we all just like being around you. You've got a good personality. You're down to earth, a good person. So we said she's got to come on the podcast, and we're going to talk about your journey. So even after all that, though, you probably remember, (laughs) probably after, well, it it wasn't after all that. It was in the midst of all that. It's probably after, like, our second meeting. I called you and I offered you a job. You sure did. Which I never do that. Like I never just offer somebody a job on the spot, but I was so impressed by her her um, approach to a customer. I'm like, our clients would love her. She turned me down, you know. I for had to, good reasons. Though. I, I right? know. We, totally we still working together and mm-hmm. she's still kind of doing sales for us uh, inadvertently. Uh, so it's been great. But we brought her some great merch and some swag today. Yes, I definitely and, uh, like to get paid in swag. Yeah. Um, you know, then I don't feel like it's a conflict of interest. So. There you go. Yeah. We got the hookup. So anyways, well, Sarah, again, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about who you are, what you do, and why you love what you do? All right. Well, thank you, Tony. Uh, as as you mentioned, I'm an account executive. I sell advertising. We're not going to mention who I work for right now just because there would have been a lot of paperwork. It's a mystery, and, yeah. Yeah, like sign off do your homework uh, right do your homework find me she did Um, i'll give you my contact information at the end (laughs) but so i sell advertising but actually my background is in education until a year ago well a little bit over a year ago Mm -hmm. uh, i was in the education field still certified teacher school administrator and i just i needed to to step away um and sales had always kind of intrigued me Mm -hmm. But turns out it's really hard to get a sales job when your resume looks like mine does. Teaching, yeah, yeah understand right? that. Um, but you know, <clears throat> when you can work in Flint and convince sixty seventh grade boys that writing an essay can be fun, uh, I think you can really sell anything. So. That's true. Right, right. Seventh grade boys writing. Yeah, I have a. Well, I have an eighth, eighth grader. But he, well, all my boys were seventh graders at one mm-hmm. point. And even like my older ones don't like writing anything. So that's impressive. The same principles are true, whether you're teaching or um, selling. You just have to find out what's important to people, what matters to people. And that's what I was able to do in the classroom. Um, Instead of trying to force these kids into what I thought was a good idea, it needed to matter to them. And I think that's the same in sales. It's figuring out what matters to people. And so it was a, a really easy transition um, for my colleagues, it's been, it's been pretty fun because they tease me all the time. So I'm ultra organized and I have yeah. charts and stickers. You and do. I've I, seen the charts yeah, and the stickers. I send yeah. out St. Patrick's day cards, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. just stuff like that. So they kind of always tease me, but I think that's just what makes me stand out. And 
it's it's truly genuine. I mm-hmm. don't ever do something that I don't mean. Right. Um, so I'm I can be me in this career, and even better at five o'clock or whatever the end of my day needs to be that day. I get to be a mom. Yeah. And I get to turn it two off. Two daughters. Yes, two daughters. Yeah. 13 and 9. I got to meet them. Yes, they're adorable. They're in the commercial. <laughs> um, as is Jake, my colleague. Yes, who's, he is. Not from State we, Farm. Right. That's we, what we do call seem him. like Jake we are State a family Farm. in there, but I'm very single and Jake is very young. So um, <laughs> there's that. Just so that if you were wondering after the commercial, like, is that a family? Right. Mystery dispelled. So you have to watch the commercial mm-hmm. and this podcast. We know. do really sell the sell the family thing oh, yeah. though, in it. It looks like a happy family. Yeah. yeah. Good we, job. We are happy. Um, so I get to be a mom and that was something important to me that I really tend to throw myself into whatever it is I'm doing. Um, and I'm very lucky to work for a sales manager who values downtime, family time, encourage us, encourages us to take time off, Mm -hmm. uh, does it himself, never tries to contact us outside of work hours. And I wouldn't even mind, but it's kind of forced me to really slow down. Right. And that's always been difficult for me. This is like the first time ever that I've just worked one job. Yeah. Um, I do teach a class when I want, but yeah. So this has just well, been a really great transition. Well, I think it helps that it's clear that you love what you're doing. And I always talk about this all the time on the podcast that I always say happiness is definitely underrated. You know, we're kind of taught from a young age that you want to uh, graduate high school, then you want to get all you can, can all you get, then sit on your can, right? That's kind of like the American <laughs> dream. And, uh, you know, so we buy into that. I got to get the mm-hmm. best, you know, career and the best job, and I got to work, work, work while I'm young and save up all my money. That way, when I'm old, I can retire and do whatever I want. Well, <laughs> sometimes, I mean, that, and that works for some people. And if that's what makes you happy, I say, go for that. Mm-hmm. But that's not, it's a cookie cutter thing that doesn't work for everybody. And I am more, after spending 10 years in hospitality in a 24-7 business, chasing the next dollar and chasing the next deal, and I did enjoy it, but I missed out on so much. Uh, I have realized, you know, in doing this, that being happy and getting to do what you love every single day and then getting to go home to the people you love mm-hmm. is far more valuable to me than any dollar amount. And I've turned down some really lucrative job offers. I mean, really lucrative since I started AZ. And I still don't uh, make as much as I did at the peak mm-hmm. of my, I've been doing this for six years. At the peak of my hospitality career, I still don't make as much today as I did then. And I could but I choose to invest money back into more people so that I can have time. And Mm -hmm. that's what I think it's all about. And so I think what radiates out of you is happiness in your life and happiness in what you're doing and a joy to do what you do. And I think if you're listening, um, whatever it is you do, take, find something that makes you happy and find something that brings you joy. And if that's having a lot of money in a big bank account, that's fine too, but maybe that's not it for you. And so that's okay. That's okay. Despite what society tells you, just pursue happiness, and I think you'll get there. So, well, can I just add please. one thing right there? Please. Um, I didn't really start thinking about happiness and joy in this way until recently, and huge fan of Brene Brown, and um, she really kind of got me thinking about this. But happiness 
while it's amazing, is tied to circumstances, mm-hmm. right? And so circumstances change, and then you might not be as happy. Uh, but joy is independent of your circumstances. It's just kind of something that um, it, it, it is more of a radiance. Yeah. And to me, I associate joy with peace mm-hmm. and calm. And uh, I'm not really known to be a calm person, but inside in my heart, for me to really experience joy, I need to just feel that calm settled. Um, and a word we use in our house all the time, well, it's a term since my kids have been babies, opportunity cost. Uh, it's an economic term that I learned when I was young and I've always thought about everything in terms of that. So what's the opportunity cost mm-hmm. for me to yeah. make what I was making? I made three times what I am making right now mm-hmm. when I was consulting independently. And I loved it. I loved what I was doing. Um, I certainly had never seen six figures before. Um, Never thought I would. I mean, I was a teacher. Like, this just doesn't happen. But I loved what I was doing, and I got to meet a lot of great people. Um, But the opportunity cost was, it was all, that's just who I was at all times. Um, I was constantly selling myself. Like, I had to sell my consulting services. And while I enjoyed that, I was, I didn't have that safety of being an employee and I have never in my life been so happy to be an employee Right. and it, the opportunity cost was just too great to do it the other way. And my, my kids are only young once and I found that I was just always kind of on edge and irritable. And, uh, I had that a lot growing up. And when I started to recognize that in myself, I was like, it's not worth it. Right. It's not worth it. Well, I like how you put that, you know, the opportunity cost, because, you know, if I'm being honest, I did enjoy the hospitality business mm-hmm. very much, but at what cost, right? And, you know, uh, as you get older, I think you realize what your needs are and what you're different. And I know you're a lover of Jesus mm-hmm. and the Bible talks about joy unspeakable, mm-hmm. meaning it's so good that I can't even describe it and peace that passes all understanding. Um, it's one of my favorite verses. And so, you know, I think that when you're doing... Uh, you're fulfilling your purpose, your God-given purpose, mm-hmm. um, that there's just this peace that comes about you that you don't even necessarily understand it. You just know it's there and it's mm-hmm. great and it's amazing. But you have, uh, I want to talk a little bit about your book here in a little bit. You're writing a book and we're going to talk exactly about what that book is and when we can expect it to come out. <laughs> but you sent me a chapter uh, to read and wow, I mean, you have an amazing, uh, amazing story. I was immediately inspired um, by some of the things that I read, uh, knowing you for just a short time, I would have had no idea that you had gone through some of the things you've gone through. You definitely don't wear it on your sleeve, uh, which I think is also impressive. Um, but your journey is definitely somewhat untraditional, uh, by a lot of standards. And so let's talk about first, before we dive into mm-hmm. the book and before we dive into the chapter that was entitled boxed wine and Marlboro lights, great title for a chapter. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about how you got into this career. Um, from my perspective, it's a very natural fit for you. So it seems like this is something she's been doing forever. But you just mentioned it's only been just over a year. So kind of tell us how you got into this mess. All right. Yes. <laughs> it is, it's a beautiful, beautiful mess. Beautiful mess. Yeah. Um, well, like I, like I said, I was in education and had really worked my way from the classroom to becoming a school administrator. And then 
uh, fell into consulting quite accidentally. And what and grades did you teach? You said seventh grade? Mostly middle school. That's I did teach worst. as young. No, middle school is my favorite. I, I have to say that's the worst age. I'm sorry, but that's just my opinion. It's the same principle. As long as you know what matters to them. Sure. It's all about relationships. Kindergarten is my nightmare. Do they so. know what matters to them at that age? I mean, that's just like, we call them tweenagers. That's like that between age where they're like, their body's changing, their voice is changing, they're trying to figure out who they are, what they're allowed to like because their friends like it, and what they're not allowed to like because their friends don't. Do they really know what they love at that point, or do you have to help them through that? No, they're very selfish. Yeah. Um, but it's this really pivotal time where they're kind of figuring out who it is they're going to be, and knowing as an adult that you can really impact that. Yeah. Um, it's it's a job that you sh- nobody should do unless they really take it seriously, I think. Mm-hmm. There's um, an important part of all grades, but I think there are a couple really pivotal times in kindergarten, first grade, oh, right. and then at middle school, especially in an urban setting. Yeah. Um, because they, they are so self-centered. Yeah. They think the world is about them, and they think that when they're hurting, it's worse than anybody else. And when they feel love, they think it's stronger than anybody else, and when they realize that somebody cares about what's important to them and really takes time to get to know them and to ask them about those things and to be silly with them, they're really just giant babies. Um, They still like hugs (laughs) and, you know, they still watch cartoons sometimes, but then they're struggling with all of this really adult stuff. So I think that, um, they, they kind of remind me of me, you know, all grown up. It's like, like you said, there's this backstory that I don't wear. And I think that's why, for me, it's so important to be transparent about that. Because uh, you really never know right. what's going on. Right. And this, what you see truly is me. I, I, I am I this it. person. I believe it. Um, but there's so much more to me. And I think that's why I feel I need to share that. Yeah. Um, and hopefully it can impact somebody in a positive way. So. Yeah. Anyway, we were talking about yeah, how, so how, I, yeah, how you got I go from deep. seventh grade teacher right. to this. Yes. Right. Um, actually, it's it's really sad. I lost my job. And when was that? That, well, I was put on paid administrative leave mm-hmm. November 27th, 2018. Okay. Uh, it wasn't official. I found out January 3rd, 2019. Okay. So. And then they like let me stay on so I could have my benefits for like another month or something. But, um, my resignation, I knew I was done January 3rd. Mm -hmm. And so, and it wasn't the first time I had lost my job. Did they give you a reason why? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I signed like a 22 page, um, non-disclosure agreement. Oh, it wasn't called that. It was something (laughs) so much better. Um, but really it boiled down to, um, they thought, that I had said something that I really didn't say. Yeah. Um, and I landed in the middle of this political mess that I knew nothing about. Because if you know me, I actually was, they borrowed me from another region because yeah. it was like a political hotbed. And they were like, oh, Sarah would be great. Let's put her in there. And it was great. I loved it. Um, but something that I said got turned into something else completely. And I struggled for so long. And and I know, I I see it now what the lesson was. And it was so frustrating in the moment because I felt my identity was being attacked. And 
and I say in one of the other chapters uh, about how the irony was that here I was losing my job, being accused of being um, untruthful, and any of my professional missteps up to that point had all been because I was too honest. Yeah. Um, so it was really hard to think that these people that I cared about, truly cared about, and this job that I loved, I've loved pretty much every job I've ever had. Well, you know, after family video, like, you know, college <laughs> on. Right. Um, so to, to have people think that about me was just devastating. Yeah. And, and it was one of those things that it took me a long, long time to get past. And through that process, I realized how much of my identity um, was wrapped up in what I did. And how much value I took away from my profession mm -hmm. and as much as I loved it. And I know I was doing good things. Um, I was relying too much on that yeah. and not who I was. And so that actually is part of why I ended up in sales. So I knew I needed to leave education for a while. My heart had been broken. Um, and it was just, it was too much. I needed to step away. I could have easily gone back. As a matter of fact, in the book, the, um, the chapter that you read talks about me interviewing for this principal job. Mm -hmm. And oddly enough, I found out later. The nicest rejection ever. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Um, some of the comments from the interview committee, they really liked me. Somebody said, um, she's kind of, she's too smart, like, to be, like, principal. Like, why, why is she here when she could be speaking all over the country? Yeah. And uh, somebody else was like, I don't know if she can relate to our parents who are, like, living in poverty. And um, <laughs> I just don't know if she can really relate. And I'm thinking, uh, I have a I'm bridge there. card. Like, yeah. I literally bought my groceries with welfare this yeah. week. Yeah. Um, but again, you look at me. And I, I looked at, I looked really super cute, uh, but I, <laughs> just I shop saying. almost exclusively at consignment shop. So yeah. it's just, again, they made assumptions. Yeah. And I think I posted the other day something like, it was from Stephen Furtick. He said, um, what surprises people tells you a lot about their assumptions, what yeah. they've assumed. Yeah. And so here these people didn't want me because they thought I couldn't understand people living in poverty. Um, or, you know, when at that time of your yeah. life, you were living it literally, literally no dollars. Yeah. And so I just, I kept thinking like, can't you see like I'm valuable. I am. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get it. And so finally, um, somebody decided to give me a shot. I, I called my friend Jill and I said, Hey, because I had applied for this organizational <laughs> change consultant job at DTE. And I could have done it in my sleep. I had been consulting around systemic reconfiguration for school districts for, you know, years at that point. And it was all about systems and change. And I was like, this would be great. I heard DTE is an amazing company to work for. Um, so I was just calling around. I was like, do you know anybody that works at DTE? She said, no, but do you know anybody who, like, might want a sales job? And I said, uh, me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I ended up having a conversation with somebody who um, – was leading a out of home office and, and she gave me a shot and that was all I needed. And then I, it came down to both jobs and this is really, this was a defining moment for me. I knew that DTE wanted me for what I could do, what I had done, um, my experience 
and I would have been really successful. But this Adams Outdoor Company, this um, Kelly, wanted me for who I was. Right. And I remember very clearly just hearing God say, you know, it's taken you this long to figure out where your value is and it's not in what you do. And this person wants to hire you for who you are. Right. And she did. And six weeks later, she called me crying, telling me I was losing my job. Wow. Which probably wow. wouldn't have happened at DTE. Yeah. Still the best choice I ever could have made. Yeah. In hindsight. Probably didn't oh. feel like at the time. No, so it absolutely, it, it, no, it absolutely felt like it in the time. I good. knew in my heart um, that it was all good. So, okay. So timeline-wise, when you lost this job, when was that? What was the date? The education job? This, this, yeah, the, the one you're referring to right now. Oh, the she my first you six, sales job. She called you six weeks later. When was that? That was March 23rd of last year, 2020. Okay, so eight days after the pandemic began, basically. Well, Correct. I mean, when they said March 13th, March 13th was our last day working in office. So I was working from home for like a week, and then she called me, and it was a Monday. Yeah. So now here you are, new career, excited, mm-hmm. things are mm-hmm. off going. We find out we're in the mm-hmm. midst of a pandemic. There's a stay-at-home order. Everybody's got to stay mm-hmm. home for two weeks to slow the spread, and now we are at one year into the two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you don't have a job again. And uh, I'm certain, as anybody would be, that with the uncertainty of the, the world at that time, obviously it was a political season as well, and then now not having a job, having two kids, knowing what you had come from, that had to be uh, a fearful time, maybe? It was uh, not. It was not. Okay. Well, tell us why. Well, you, you read the book and you said, I can't believe like yeah. that that all happened. When you, <laughs> 2020 was a great year for me. Yeah. Um, when you understand what my 2019 was yeah. and I understood what I had survived <laughs> yeah. and at that point they like there were so many times I shouldn't have my house still right yeah. I there were times where so many times where I shouldn't have been able to do something in every single time I was able to and um, I had been listening to on Monday mornings it's my jam I always listen to Elevation Church mm-hmm. um, I don't watch it on Sunday because I go to my own church on Sunday Freedom Center Fenton amazing <laughs> so on Monday morning because I always want to pause it and go back and listen. And, uh, so I had just listened to this message and it was, uh, when God says stop. And that's the one you sent me, right? I yep. got about 20 minutes in and I yeah. turned it off and I didn't get back to it. That's okay. It was, you need to finish it. Definitely. Yeah, I will. Uh, that was March. It had, um, aired originally on March 22nd. And so I'm listening to it that morning. I get up every day, five, five thirty, and I have my, um, Jesus time in my war room. And so I'd listen to it. And I was pumped. And I had taken all these, you know, notes and everything. And like I do, these are my journals here. Um, just a and, few. Yeah, just a few. This is actually just like the <laughs> two years. Uh, wow. So I, I was just pumped. And it was just about, you know, no, you can't expect to have a ministry without a mess. You can't have a testimony without a test. And so I was like pumped. I was like, I'm expecting miracles. I've seen it happen, right, folks? And I had this, I was getting close to the end of the one journal. And I couldn't wait to start this new one. It was really pretty, and I loved the way my pens wrote on the paper. But I was like, oh, i got to finish these other pages up. And I was just a couple pages. And I got that phone call 
from my boss within an hour of finishing that up. And she's crying. And she said, I'm so sorry. And I said, I'm not. Um, I know this isn't because of you. I know nobody saw this coming. But I expect miracles. And there is no way that God would see me through that year and finally give me this job where I I felt really good and I was happy um, and I felt at peace and then take it away unless it was going to be something really good. So I hung up the phone. I didn't cry. Um, I didn't tell my kids that day because they were like transitioning to school at home. I told a couple friends, but I just wanted, I wanted, you know, to just process it. Somebody called me right away. Like you should get an interview here. And I said, you know, I just need, I need two days to just pray about it and just, to just be, yeah. and I'll be okay. Uh, and then I'll, I'll get back at it. And I, I have no doubt. And on that third day I interviewed for this job yeah. and within 10 days had an offer and it ended up being the biggest blessing. And since that company has asked me to come back, yeah. I was so grateful, but I really am, I really am happy um, where I'm at. Well, I want to talk about something you said there in that when it happened, um, you didn't immediately react. You knew in your mind, God's brought me through a lot and he's going to bring me through this. He must have something. So that thought process is good. But what I like that you said is you took a couple of days to just wait. Mm-hmm. There's another verse in the Bible that says, be still and know that I am God. And sometimes we react mm-hmm. and immediately we panic or we worry or we get overexcited or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we react in the moment. We make an emotional decision that doesn't end up being the best thing for us. Especially if you're a person like me, that's just like a, I'm an ambitious go-getter. Mm-hmm. I don't want to waste time. And sometimes my own ambition kind of gets in the way of me doing what I need to do. Um, so I think 100%. it's important when a big life change happens or if you're, if you're contemplating a big life change or you just get thrown a big life change, take some time. It doesn't have to be weeks. You said two days, but take some time to just be still, mm-hmm. think about it, process it, pray about it. Um, talk to some people that you trust, talk to some mentors, uh, listen to some good counsel, good podcasts, mm-hmm. good sermons. All of those things are good. And I think that's excellent. So I, I do want to talk about this book. So you're writing mm-hmm. a book. Um, it looks yeah. like you have enough in those journals to already have a book. So I, I actually, the book is probably 85% done. I mean, it's, it's massive. Do you have a title for the book? I do. Are you willing to share it? Or? Absolutely. Okay. It's called um, Naked Wreckage, Naked Lessons Wreckage. Okay. Through Letters and Lyrics. Okay, so you sent me a chapter, as we talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. a chapter, I don't know what chapter it was, it was 12 pages, and it was called Boxed Wine and Marlboro Lights, so it wasn't at all what I expect. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of, uh, with the title, I kind of had some idea, but it still wasn't what my idea was, Um, and it was literally just a letter that you wrote to a church, a thank you letter. And you had mentioned that the book is all a compilation of these thank you letters you've written to different people throughout. No, they're not all thank you letters. Some of them are a little harsh, but they're all letters. But they're all letters you've physically written and sent to people. Yes. And uh, that they've had the opportunity to read or not read. Mm -hmm. So, Including the guy that fired me. Oh, you wrote him a letter. uh, One year after. It's called Chuck It in the Bucket. (laughs) Did he respond to this letter? I'm sure he couldn't. Yeah. But but honestly, that 
it was a really nice letter. It was, it was basically like, I forgive you. Yeah. I know because by that point I knew mm-hmm. some things had happened and some people um, had yeah. left the organization and it kind of came out that that was not true. What had happened yeah. well, it was too late. So it was kind of mm-hmm. just like, I've forgiven you. I'm okay. Um, don't beat yourself up. He probably didn't care. I don't know. He's a nice guy. He probably didn't care, but it was something I needed to do for yeah. sure. So when do you home run best, best guess? When do you want to release this book? Uh, 2020. Okay. <laughs> um, so really this little. is kind of funny. I talked about this on another podcast. Uh, always do my best writing when I was, I was drinking and, yeah, I remember uh, you wrote that with a yeah. little bit of wine. Yeah. Um, but write, edit, drunk, edit, edit, sober. sober yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> and when, when I'm experiencing something, you know, big in my life, I can just, the words just fly out on the page. Um, and I've had a really hard time going back. Like even, even the chapters that aren't done, like they need, I need to go back and, um, hit it with the editing stick mm-hmm. or, you know, there's different tweaks. Uh, it's really hard to do that when I'm in such a good space. Yeah. I, well, I read that chapter. It's very raw and emotional. Yeah. Like it's very mm-hmm. like. I can't read that chapter hide, without hiding, crying. You're not hiding anything. No. I mean, there's even a part where you talk about how, uh, you literally had no money and instead of running from your creditors or your debtors, you just literally called them all and gave them the sob story and asked for mercy. Mm-hmm. And you said that that was empowering. You said that that just owning it and not trying to hide it or put on this facade, but just call mm-hmm. them and say, I I'm no money. I'm broke. Yeah. And please give me some mercy. You said that that was like a, a moment where you just kind of felt something kind of broke through there. Mm-hmm. It was so. really powerful to just, to strip it all down. And that's where the naked wreckage comes from. Um, well, that and part part of it is a Tedeschi Trucks uh, song that I love. And I heard that line, dealing with the wreckage in my soul. a little soul. Alanis Morissette. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so dealing with the wreckage in my soul is is a line from the song Anyhow uh, by Tedeschi Trucks band. And that always resonated with me. Yeah. And I felt like this was my time to really deal with everything that was going on. And, and the nakedness really comes from really stripping everything down and being exposed. You know, I had moved to this new town, which I loved, but, uh, in, in full transparency, it's, it's kind of an affluent place. Yeah. I'm not affluent yeah. at all. I really liked the house and there was a cute sidewalk and, and it just fit. And, um, it, this, it's an amazing community. I can't believe I landed there. Yeah. Um, that was God for sure. But anyway, so I'm, I'm here. Right. And I'm already kind of the diversity cause I'm single mom. Um, and now I have nothing <laughs> now I'm, <laughs> I'll never forget when I walked in to get the Thanksgiving basket at my church, which I made myself do, um, when several people thought I was there to volunteer. Yeah. And I made myself stand in that line, and I, I kept reminding myself, <laughs> you can't deal with it unless you feel it, and you're yeah. going to stand in this turkey line. And you are going to really know what it feels like. And for years, like I did the angel tree, like I let so many things give, 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 adopted a family every year, you know, and, and never really like felt sorry for them. You know, I really truly felt empathy and would just casually talk to them. And now all of a sudden 
I'm walking out and, and some great lady's helping me and we're going out to my car and she looks at me and she says, oh, you have a, um, a daughter that goes to Fenton. And I felt 100% naked in that point. I was like, what I heard was, I know who you are. I know who your daughter is. You have nothing. Yeah. And I looked at her and she saw the look in my eyes. She's like, your, your, your shirt says Fenton cheerleading. Oh. <laughs> um, and it was in that moment that I thought, I get it. Yeah. I really get what it feels like to be on the side for the very first time. And so I just immersed myself in it. I said, if I'm going to be poor and I'm going to be broke and I'm going to be sad, I'm going to be it. And I'm not going to hide it. Um, and that's really like the moment that I just owned it, things started to change immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it resonated with me because when I started this company, uh, you know, I left a good paying job. Um, and started with nothing. I have five children and we went down to one vehicle. We bought a small, or we got, we got into a smaller house. Um, actually we rented a house. Um, and, uh, a couple years in things got really, really tough. We had maxed out credit cards. We had ruined our credit. Our credit score was like low four hundreds. Um, and, we were broke. We, I remember having weeks where it was like I had just enough to pay my one staff member at the time, but I didn't pay myself for a while because there was no money to pay me. Mm-hmm. And I thought about, do I need to get rid of this staff member? But I couldn't at the time. And just uh, and then it all came to a head when uh, I got a knock on the door at my house at 2 in the morning, and there's a tow truck outside taking my vehicle, our one vehicle, repossessing it. And I said, uh, I'm begging the guy, please, I have kids. How am I going to get? I mean, and now I'm thinking also, I'm a business owner. Mm-hmm. I'm known in the community. Mm-hmm. How am I going to explain that my vehicle got repossessed? It's embarrassing. How can I spin this so that people mm-hmm. don't know? Like, all these things are going on in my mind. And the guy was like, sorry, man, there's nothing I can do for you. Here's a card. You can call in the morning and pick it up. It's going to cost, you know, $4,000 or whatever. And I'm like, where am I going to come up with $4,000? dollars mm-hmm. And so then I just, my wife had no idea. She didn't even know because she doesn't really handle the finances. Mm-hmm. She didn't even know we were behind. There were three months behind in our car payment. She didn't know any of that. So she's shocked. My kids are up. They see a tow truck. I mean, and I had had this facade that everything was okay. I never had, and nobody in my life, in my world, had any idea that we had financial troubles. Um, I was handling the books for the company, which was one of the major problems <laughs> because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and I remember having to humbly just call my parents and say, here's what happened. And I need to borrow some money. I don't have a vehicle. And fortunately my parents were so gracious. They didn't make me feel, I thought they're going to be like, well, why did you do this? And cause they knew I had also just taken my family on a vacation because we needed to go on a vacation. It wasn't a lavish vacation, but we just hadn't done anything as a family. So we needed to do it. And to me, I was like, I'm going to sacrifice some money and go do this with my family probably wasn't the smartest decision, but I I wouldn't change it. Um, but I thought, you know, they're going to throw in, why did you buy this or why did you spend that? And they just were gracious and helped me and helped me get the car back. And once I just owned it and I just had a conversation with them, I was like, listen, here's what's going on. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, 
I told them why it was happening and why the things were tough. And they tried to talk me and then maybe just go back and get a job. But I knew that wasn't the right thing. But I just remember feeling like once I had the conversation with somebody and then I had the conversation with my wife, I didn't publicize it to the world. I didn't make a Facebook post. You didn't write a book. I didn't write a book. <laughs> um, I'm now telling the story of my podcast. It's probably the first time I've ever told you know, a lot of people about it. But it was just a couple of years ago. And, uh, but I remember just telling a few people that were important to me. It just felt like, okay, it's not that bad. Just rip it up. I'm just a person and I'm trying and I failed here and it's okay. People mm-hmm. fail and they can help mm-hmm. you through this. And so that resonated with me because I remember having that same. Like a weight. Kind of, it was like a weight. lifted. Huge like, weight. Like, okay. They know. And they can help me, mm-hmm. you know, and it doesn't, you know, and, and, and they grace can pray is a for thing. me. It's a real thing. Like you, I've been given grace all my life to other people happily and it's really okay to accept it. And that was yeah. something that I constantly I constantly had to remind myself, like you would never question doing these things for somebody else. Yeah. You need to be you need to accept this help. You yeah. need to be humble. You mentioned something earlier about struggling with the whole idea of be still. Yeah. And a uh, huge problem for me. Like I me can't too. even just watch TV without doing my nails or something, <laughs> Same. right? Same have to be productive. Not my nails, but something right. else. You, yeah. yeah, you get it. Um, so it's something that I constantly have to remind myself. So my whole house has words everywhere, which mm-hmm. by the way, I had the idea, I don't know, it was like 2000 to decorate with words, right? My roommate, Lindsay, told me it was silly. Nobody would want to do that. And what do you see everywhere? Signs, words, decals. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so my whole house covered in words as reminders to myself. And I put this sign in the kitchen and it says, be still, trust, wait. And then I added quietly Um, because that for me, even when I thought I was being still and I was trusting and I I, I just couldn't, it was like I trusted God, Mm -hmm. but I had to have my, my hands in it and I was, you know, I'm a fixer. I'm a fixer by nature. And, um, I have to try really hard to not be, I have to make sure I don't do it. But, but the whole idea of just being still and waiting and just shutting up and you don't have to read about it. You don't have to write about it. You don't have to research it. Like just slow down and just live this moment Mm -hmm. because if you just deal with it and you feel it, you deal with it and you can move on. But the more you try to deny it, it never goes away. Mm-hmm. And so just living in those moments really is what helped me get through them. Yeah. Well, you know, the book talks a lot about, I don't know the book, the chapter. Mm-hmm. I read one chapter. I would love to read the book when it comes out. And again, I'm going to give you an opportunity to tell our listeners how they can reach out to you to stay up to date of when we can expect to see the book. But <clears throat> if you need help designing a cover, we can, <laughs> we can help out with that. Um, but you talk a lot about how you resorted to cheap wine mm-hmm. and cigarettes mm-hmm. <laughs> because they gave you some sort of uh, release. Some Escape, the, yeah. The, Numb. The, the, the wine you made you feel fancy even though you said it was just boxed wine. And, <laughs> and to uh, this day, I still drink out of uh, always out of stemware. Yeah. So I'll be like on a sales meeting and I'll realize that my sparkling water is in a, I'm like, oh, they're going to think I'm drinking. I yeah. just, yeah, that was fancy. Well, a lot of people find things to cope, mm-hmm. to just make the worry, the anxiety, the stress, the depression, the loneliness, the fear, to make it go away mm-hmm. for a, a temporary time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you mentioned that in the book, you had always committed, at least at one point, to start every day with your 
devotion time mm-hmm. in the word. But you had mentioned something that was also familiar to me, that if you would wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, mm-hmm. that you couldn't go back to sleep. And I'm, I'm that today. Like if I wake up at 4 a.m. to go to the bathroom, I'm not getting back to sleep because my mind just immediately starts to mm-hmm. go. And mine's not necessarily worry. Mine's just like, okay, here's what I got to do today. My schedule's packed a little tight probably. Um, but yes, I do the same thing. I go to the Word immediately um, and try to find solace and find direction. Um, one of the things I teach my kids, you know, I was raised in a Christian home, so I was always taught you read your Bible because that's what Christians do. Every day you get up and read your Bible. Well, I was not a big reader when I was young. So reading the Bible was just like, it was like doing a book report. It was like, why do I got to read? I don't like reading, you know? And so it was always a chore. And I was a pastor for seven years and still struggled to get up every day and read my Bible because it seemed like such a task. And when it dawned on me, really in my mid-30s, I started to ask myself for the first time, why do you read your Bible? Why, why do we read our Bibles? What's the point of this, you know? And I like to read, but... And I started to just break it down and think about it. And I thought, you know, the purpose of God's Word is for God to speak to us. And so the reason we read the Bible is not just to get to learn know, to know more about God or to become a better Christian, but it's really to hear the voice of God. And I liken it to a conversation. If, if you're in a relationship... And if I come home every night and I just talk, 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 talk to my wife, but then I never give her the opportunity to respond, uh, then it's not going to work. It's a one-sided relationship. And I think that's what we do. We pray, 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 pray. We talk to God, but we never stop and let him have an opportunity to respond to us and give us the answer of the million questions we just asked him or requests. And so I just determined I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm not going to try to get through a certain number of chapters Mm -hmm. I'm not going to try to follow some devotional reading plan that keeps me on a track. I'm just going to read until I hear God's voice, and then I'm going to stop, and I'm going to meditate on it, and I'm going to think about it. And so then I started to break down, well, how do you know you hear God's voice? And so I you know, determined that that was when something in Scripture stands out to you. That's God speaking to you, because God's Word is not like any other book. And so if it stands out to me, I'm going to stop because liking it to that relationship, the same would be is if when my spouse did start to talk to me, Mm -hmm. I just try to talk over her. Mm -hmm. And that's sometimes we try to get through this. I got to get through 10 chapters today. And so God speaks and we just keep going so that we Mm -hmm. can get through our stuff. So I just determined I'm going to read. And when I hear God's voice, I'm going to stop. And at those days I was, I would write it down on a three by five card and I'd keep it in my pocket. That Mm -hmm. way, anytime I reached in my pocket, I'd remember And then, you know, as I got a little more sophisticated, I guess, I started to text that verse to myself or put it in my reminders to come up on my phone like five times throughout the day to remind me of what God had said to me that morning. And when I started to allow God's voice to not only speak to me, but then influence me throughout the day, Mm -hmm. I become addicted to it. Like when I wake up in the morning with that little bit of, oh no, I got all that stuff to do today. I just immediately, I like, I have a craving, like, okay, mm-hmm. just go to the word and it calms me. It gives me direction. It gives me purpose. And, uh, most people in my life have not seen me stressed out. And it's not because I'm never stressed. It's because God just helps me handle it. Mm-hmm. And cause I'm listening to his voice. And so I think that we talk about overcoming adversity or coping, you know, for you and I, I think we both have a similar way and that is God's direction and God's word. Um, but I think that, um, it's so important that people find a way that's not harmful to themselves or harmful to their emotional state or 
to their cognitive state mm-hmm. to find a way to, to deal with these things. And maybe that is through uh, reaching out to somebody or maybe that is through prayer or uh, reading God's word. I know for me that absolutely works. So what kind of, uh, you know, advice or words of encouragement would you have for somebody who is going through some strong adversity and what they could do to overcome it? Uh, great question. Uh, I think that we have already touched on one of the points and it's just to own it. First Mm -hmm. of all, to just be honest with yourself, um, about where you're at really. For me, that time in the morning is non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. It uh, is the one thing my children know. I set my alarm. I get up early. Uh, but even if it's like on the weekends or something or if they were ever up, they know that they don't talk to me during that time. We've talked about that that's a priority for me. Um, I mean, like if they're bleeding or something, I guess they could knock. Sure. Uh, but If they're dying. But for me, you know, some days I read... Um, pages and pages and some days I read one verse yeah um, but I always write the date so I I draw and I color and I paint in mm. my Bible everywhere and every time I read anything in it I write the date next to it so mm. some verses have just like massive amounts of dates mm. And the reason that's significant to me is because each time I read it I take something different away from it yeah. and very often um, and that's why I keep all these journals too. Is like God's go word back. is amazing. Yeah, I'll yeah. go back and I'll be like, "Oh my gosh, the last time I heard this was on this date, and I know what happened on that date, yeah. and I know what it meant to me, and I see it in a completely different way now." Right? Yeah. So, and I don't know that that's the answer for everybody. And certainly, I wasn't at this place in my life um, a couple of years ago. I've always been a believer, but but I think I put in the chapter something about. I kind of flirted with my faith and um, relied on it after the fact and everything happens for a reason. And now that I've survived it and things are better, I can see that. Um, So I don't want, you know, listeners or viewers to think that they've got to spend this time in the word every day. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't even have a Bible Mm -hmm. at, at the time when all this was going on and I, I had no money. Mm And I entered a contest on Instagram. I kept watching these contests and these women would give out um, these like loved Bibles, like people had taken notes and stuff in it. And I was like, wow, it's so cool. So I kept entering and I made a comment on it about how, you know, I, 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 maybe I said I couldn't afford one or something. This stranger whose name is Missy from some state contacted me and said, you don't need to wait to win. I'm sending you a Bible. And I was like, Okay. Uh, okay. That's amazing. And, and not only that, but she said, what kind do you want? What version do you want? She didn't, she didn't put what mm. she wanted or what she liked on me. She said, do you want like a journaling Bible of what version? Yeah. And so I picked it out and it came in the mail. And I actually, the, the, the packing label is, is attached on the inside of my um, Bible so that I can always remember that. But So my point is that for a long time, um, I would still pray Mm -hmm. and I would be like, God help me now. Or, um, a prayer that I say just about every day, whether it's for myself or other people, but, um, I just be so undeniably present. Mm -hmm. So if I see somebody struggling, I'll be like, just overwhelm that person. Like there's no denying it. And so I think it's just, it's more of a relationship thing. And, um, 
you know, at whatever level somebody's at, it's just, it's just a process and you don't, you don't have to be a Bible toting to have that relationship. Um, Sure. Absolutely. God is present everywhere. He's always with us. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to hear more about your journey. We know that you've since moved on from, uh, the box wine, box wine Mm -hmm. and Marlboro lights. Um, and so congratulations. And yes, I mean, I, I know Sarah well enough to know that if you, uh, were struggling with something and you wanted to reach out to her, um, she would spend the time to talk to you and help Absolutely. you with that. And so since we only have like three listeners, I think it's safe to offer that to you. And so, I'm one of them. So, yeah, so there's so that. There's only two left. So if mm-hmm. one of you two need to reach call out, to call Sarah, uh, she'll hook you up. So, well, I'm looking forward to your book coming out. Keep us posted, whatever we can do to help with that. If you need help finding a publisher, all of those things, if you're going to self-publish, we know how to go through that Can't route. Can't self-publish. <clears throat> well, you can. Too, no, no. Uh, me. You can't. I'm too attached to it. I see. I need to hand it over to somebody. To an editor, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, well, uh, we, we will be more than happy to help with that if, if there's anything that we can do and we want to see that get out. I think it'll be a help to a lot of people. But right now, I want to kind of shift mm-hmm. uh, change here a little bit, and we want to uh, dive into a, a segment on our show that we do every week, and it's called Explain That Post. Oh, my God. Now, we did a deep dive on your Facebook and I found this picture, which Jordan is going to hand you his phone and show you this picture. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think there's two. Is there two photos there, Jordan? Mm-hmm. Uh, one is the what I'm assuming is your hair being cut off. And the yes. other is a blonde version of Sarah J. Watson. Mm-hmm. Got the like messy hair, I don't care mm-hmm. look. Mm-hmm. What was going on there? What made you go blonde? What made you go that style? Uh, what was happening? Explain that post to us, please. So, Need some more context. Uh, one, I am naturally blonde. Not that blonde, but I am a natural yeah, blonde. Like I pay for one. this. It actually needs done. <laughs> um, I've been with my hairdresser now for 16 years, I believe. And I always had long blonde hair. Mm-hmm. And it was a little bit darker at that time. But I always always wanted short hair, like uh, Mariska Hargitay and uh, is that how you say it? Oh. You no know who I'm talking about. And S- Law and Order SVU. I always wanted her cute short hair. But I just, I didn't feel like confident enough. I, I was like, oh, when I lose some weight. And then I was like, oh, when I turn 30. And then I just decided, <laughs> and I was still decision. teaching middle school. Yeah. And I decided, you know what? I want that hair and I'm going to do it. And, uh, I waited until I had my appointment set for the day after the last day of school because middle schoolers are really honest. And like I would have walked in, they would have been like, why did you do that? (laughs) Um, so I knew I didn't want to hear that. And I knew I wanted to go dark. Um, but I thought, let's just go platinum for the summer. Let's just do it. The summer platinum. Yeah. I mean, it was long and I cut it. There's a lot of it's, hair on the ground there. It's way shorter in that picture than even now. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Way and shorter. I never had glasses. That's like the length of my hair in that mm-hmm. picture. Yeah. Yeah, I lost a bunch of weight. And so I always joke that um, for a long time, I could go back to my hometown and like, well, the town next to my hometown had a Walmart. And as long as I didn't talk aloud, nobody would recognize me. Like I could just yeah. you know, be incognito. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank congratulations. You. It looks great. Either way, if you ever decide to go platinum blonde or this, you did a good job there. So, and it's just Thank do you. you. It's just Thank do you. you. Jill Hodge it's at just, Salon Element. Jill Hodge Walsh. She just got married. Shout out. Yes. Speaking of shout outs, you got a mug there that says, uh, what does it say? Everyone needs a wingman. Yes. That's My your... wingman is Jesus. Okay. But when it comes to pest control, 
I wingman use wingman pest, pest control. They have awesome branding. You showed me some of their. Oh, we just got amazing. our band done, and it is sweet. Like I'm so happy with the Agnew mm-hmm. Sign Company did an amazing job with our wrap, and I'm so proud of it. And then she shows me these wraps from Wingman Pest Control. I'm like, man, our wrap is just not as cool. Not the install, but just the design, which I kind of conceptualize. So I have Van Wrap envy now. So, but I mean, it's really. They're it's a pest cool. control. And, their branding and is it's solid. it's really great. It's solid, yeah. Um, and even more solid than their quality. branding. Yeah. Uh, it's just who they are as a company. Yeah. And uh, well, I'm looking forward to get yeah. to meet them. I know you yeah. said you're going to make the intro there. So, well, real quick, I know we're coming to the end of our show. We do have a Say It in 60 segment, but I do want to talk for one second about, I know we hit on this a little bit, you switched careers and then got let go and then started a brand new job right in the midst of a pandemic. Mm-hmm where you have, and you're doing sales, mm-hmm. and you have businesses that are closed, you have people that are working from home, you have uncertainty about when people are gonna open, you have businesses that are permanently closing, mm-hmm. and that's even happening today. And so how, have you, you said you know that you've not just gotten this job, but you've enjoyed it, and you've thrived in it, and you've had a great 2020. What would be some advice you would give to other salespeople right now Mm -hmm. trying to get their products or services out there in the midst of a world with so much uncertainty especially in terms of businesses i think that you just need to be uh, conscious of who you're talking to first of all find out what's important to them but and this bit of advice right here is just uh an all-time sales advice don't try to make a withdrawal from an account that you haven't made any deposits into and and you mentioned to me like you, I, it didn't feel like you were trying to sell me anything because I wasn't. Right. Even when uh, Jake and I came back that day and we were sharing the information, you would ask me some questions. So that's mm-hmm. what was in those packets. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm playing the question. long game. Yeah. I make deposits. Yeah. Um, and and before I ever ask for a dollar, I know that I've invested. Mm-hmm. Um, right now I'm in the middle of a series that I'm sending out to three prospects that I really would love to work with called, um, 10 reasons why you should work with me and never in any of them have I asked, I just add value. So I think that's what all salespeople yeah. can do. Bring value to yeah. the table before you try asking for something. I think that's excellent advice. And having here, you say it that way, I can see that that was your, um, you know, method with us. Mm-hmm. And, um, I still don't know that you've really asked anything of me. Um, you've offered a couple of opportunities, but I don't know that you asked me to buy anything. So I appreciate that. And I think also I would recommend if you're out there, just be sensitive to the fact that people might not be in a position to spend a lot of money right now. And so try to figure out ways to truly help them. Like one of the things we take pride in here at AZ is we do not offer our clients things that we don't truly think are going to help them. Amen. You know, we're not just about upselling. You know, in the hospitality business, we talk about if they want to get a regular room, upsell them to a suite and show them why they need a suite. That's a little different. In this world, we don't want to upsell you on products or services, I should say, that we know are not going to really help your business. It needs, I always tell people, marketing should be an investment, not an expense. And if you're not getting a return on it, then don't do it. Dry something else. There's got to be a way to get your stuff out there. Yeah, I'm not so. a transitional uh, salesperson. I'm a relationship salesperson. So if yeah. that means I'm making deposits for a year until you can afford me, let's do it. Yes, yes. Okay, last part of the show, one of my favorites. We have a segment called Say It in 60. Okay. We have 10 rapid-fire questions that I'm going to ask you. 
You have 60 seconds to answer. There's no wrong answer because these are your answers. Okay. But if you don't say them all in 60, you don't get. Now, Jordan has a spinning wheel. That you're gonna, <gasps> oh, that's right. You get to play for Ooh. some fabulous okay. prizes. So Do push just... that middle button there. Mm. And money, let's tell money, our audience money. what you're playing for. Big money. <gasps> Abiding in the vine. Is that a wine shop? Oh, no, it is not. It's a tea room. Ooh. It's rated Michigan's number one tea room. It's here in Owasso. <gasps> They're one of our clients. They... Uh, have amazing food and teas. You go in and all the, it's very colonial decorated. It's fancy, they, oh, it's isn't fancy. it? They have I the red hats. Fancy. They got the lace and they got the little teacups. You got to put one pinky up. Uh, I'm in. They have great food too. Corky Adams is the owner. She's awesome. You will love her. Can't wait to meet her. Um, and they're just a couple blocks from here. So hopefully you win $25 oh, gift card to Abiding in the Vine. I'm winning. So we're going to put 60 seconds on the clock. Jordan, if you could set 60 seconds on your timer. And when he says go, we'll make sure you're ready, actually, before he says go. Um, but do you have any uh, need any instruction on this? Or are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready, Jordan? All right. The time starts now. What is a must-read book? Uh, the Gifts of Imperfection, Brene Brown. What is a daily habit that everyone should do? Spend time, quiet time with whoever is your higher power. What is your favorite podcast? I can't pick a favorite child, but I will recommend Belonging Songs. What is a must-binge TV series? Schitt's Creek. Just just stick with it. It's that good. It's that good. Okay. What is your why? Uh, always to live in God's purpose, whatever that is for me, and, uh, and it changes. So just to step up to the plate. What is your best piece of advice? Um, be nice, assume goodwill, and expect good things. What is your favorite quote? Life can only be understood backwards, but must be lived forward. Who do you look up to? Uh, my mom. What is success to you? Last one. Joy. Joy and peace. Joy and peace. Jordan, how much time do you have left? Seven seconds. Uh, that's With three seconds to right. spare, you made Woo. it. Congratulations. You just won $25 gift yes. card to Abiding in the Vine. And let me know when you go. I might join you there. Awesome okay. place down there. And I'll make the introduction. But their food and tea is awesome so shout out to abiding in the vine so uh again sarah thank you so much for being on our show today we determined we were going to do a 30 minute podcast and we failed <laughs> miserably but i think it was a win because we got some good stuff out there and i know if somebody's still listening or watching this episode was going to be a big help to you and if it's someone you know that's going through something share it around and help this uh get out there so that people can uh hear sarah's story and uh if somebody wanted to get a hold of you to either talk about how to have some good marketing or advertising, mm -hmm. or if they wanted to talk about your book, or if they just wanted to share like, a story marry with me? You, they wanted to marry you, okay. absolutely. Okay. Tell, look into this camera and tell our audience, whoever they may be, how is the best way to reach Sarah Jean Watson? Okay, well, you can find me on social media under Sarah Jean Watson. Um, but you can call me like the old-fashioned way at 810-569-2196. And, of course, email is sarah, S-A-R-A-H, dot Watson at charter.com. Sarah dot Watson at charter.com. I think that may be the very first time we had a, a guest give... My their phone number out right on right on right on the air I'm there in so sales. yeah I, that's it's, it. it's out there give her a call ladies and gentlemen i um, prefer the call versus mm -hmm. the email so reach out hopefully your phone doesn't get blown up tonight but hope or it hopefully it does yeah I hopefully it does okay any parting words for our guests 
our listeners, I should say? Uh, no, just keep listening and uh, supporting AZ because it, because it's important to support your um, local community in any way, shape, or form. And I know that just listening to this podcast uh, is, is something that they can do, and yeah. I appreciate you having me on. Well, thank you again for being here. We appreciate it, and good luck to you in the future. Keep overcoming adversity. Keep being a rock star and keep doing you, and I appreciate everything that you're doing for us here and for some of our clients. So we look forward to working with you in the future. Well, thank you. And uh, thank you for joining us today. As my mother always said, you can't and never could until you tried. So go out there and try something great, my friends, and don't take the easy way out. We'll see you next time.